0: Welcome to this episode of Strategy Simplified. Today we get to talk with Varun Madan, a senior manager with Deloitte based out of Chicago. As an Indian national, Varun made various strategic decisions that helped provide the opportunity to eventually relocate and be based out of the US. So international candidates, listen up. And if that's not your profile, this conversation still has a lot of good nuggets of information. With a resume that includes both McKinsey and Deloitte, Varun knows a lot about the industry. And after our chat, stay tuned for After Office Hours, where I answer a listener question on how to think about recruiting when the economy might have some tough days ahead. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Varun, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, Stephanie.
0: You know, after you and I first talked and connected for the first time, I was just really excited about bringing your story to our podcast audience. I think that it's going to uh, different parts of your story are going to resonate with uh, a lot of people. So really looking forward to uh, hearing about the different elements of your journey and your pathway. Uh, but before we fully dive in, as as this, especially as this is, is a get to know you type of episode, want to start with some more personal based questions, a couple of fun questions to get us kicked off. So first off here, could you share with us one item from your bucket list?
1: That's a good question. Um to be honest, I'm, I'm not the kind of individuals with, you know, who makes a lot of long bucket lists. I kind of do things as they come. That said, though, I am a very, very big cricket enthusiast. Um, mm. uh, and, you know, I'm pretty hopeful that one day the game of cricket can sort of make a, make a name for itself in the U.S. sports circuit. Mm. Um, if I can play a role in that, in some shape or capacity, I mean, that would make me even happier. But yeah, it's so I would say that's something which I aspire to do or would be very happy to see if it comes to fruition.
0: Love it. Love it. And uh, we'll see if these are connected. But my other prop, you know, prepped question is, uh, do you have yeah. any hidden talents? Is it going to be about cricket?
1: <laughs> I, funnily, it won't be. Um, okay. I mean, I, I guess one, maybe let me put it this way. I can pretend to be a good babysitter. And mm. I guess that, that comes naturally when you have a nine-month-old baby girl at home. Oh, um, yeah. I, but I, I guess if I, if you talk about perhaps real talents, I'm someone who can play music by the ear. Oh, um, wow. I've never been trained formally, but I think it's fairly comfortable working my way around different musical instruments. Um, I haven't, you know, really done much with the talent, but it's just a hobby I pursue.
0: Oh my gosh, that that is quite a gem right there. Um, I'm very jealous of that one. Thank you for sharing. You know, um, it's the
1: opposite, Stephanie. When I tried learning the piano. Uh, mm. And I struggled so much to read music off the notes, and then my mm. instructor gave up on me. They're like, "You're just better <laughs> off playing by the ear." So you know, sometimes, sometimes certain blessings can be a curse. But sure.
0: Wow. Well, even though, even though you found it in a roundabout way, I would absolutely say that that, you know, that was a blessing. As soon as you could, you know, release yourself from the the criticism of that first instructor, to be sure.
1: <laughs> there you go. I appreciate it thanks for keeping my morale
0: oh no i uh well, but we you know besides your bucket list and your hidden yeah. talents um very interested to have you share more about your background, maybe a yeah. little bit on who you are, the stops on your journey, and what has led you to where you're at right now.
1: No, I appreciate it. that sounds good, so I mean, yeah, we just go back in time. I was born and raised in New Delhi in India um mm-hmm. I did my undergrad in business studies out of University of Delhi um I chuckle when I say this I was 20 years old when I first joined McKinsey and Company I was mm. uh, I was an analyst in the strategy practice um you know great two years at McKinsey was was a great foundation for me from a age just honestly just understanding how how businesses worked how mm. how you know professional services uh, is delivered how large organizations think about growth I think I was Lucky in some ways to have a good set of mentors, colleagues around me, you know, who really invested in me and mm-hmm. ensured that I get I get good good set of experiences. So did that for a couple of years. Um, not sure if it's known to you, Stephanie. Typically, folks in India tend to pursue business school degrees, perhaps slightly faster than the peers uh, in the West. So mm. two years was about at that point seemed the right time for me to you know look at. Business school opportunity and and got a chance to 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 finish my MBA course with like a top five top seven school in India SPJMR. Um, it was funny. I was actually always keen and interested in finance as a discipline uh, right from my undergrad days and actually in some ways got to experience that as an as an investment banking intern with JP Morgan. Um, but I think my two years at McKinsey uh, I want to say had convinced me enough that, um, you know, management consulting is, is perhaps where where I wanted to, you know, focus my energies on. Um, interestingly, this was around about the time when there was a huge focus from a lot of, like, you know, these big four consulting firms acquiring strategy capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deloitte had just acquired the Monitor Group in 2013. So there was a lot of positive momentum around, you know, sort of re- delivering strategy consulting work. An opportunity came for me to join Deloitte in, in the Delhi office as part of the strategy and ops group. Uh, so did that for a few years. I mean, started really expanding my focus a lot more on clients in the U.S. In that pursuit, I've sort of, you know, spent time in the last, what, eight, nine years with Deloitte. I've, I've lived in five or six different cities, um, lived in New Delhi in India, I've been in San Diego, I've been in Memphis, Tennessee, New York. Now I'm based out of Chicago, where I live here with my wife. And like I said, my, my nine-month-old TV girl. But yeah, so oh, that's those gosh. are kind of all the checkpoints and the milestones. I mean, you know, there's always the benefit of hindsight, but, but sure. Uh, in some Ooh. ways, the milestones worked
0: out. Well, that, we'll see if we can get into to some of that. But I, yeah. let's go back there to the very beginning. Um, yeah. You are uh, a young man. You... In India, get your mm-hmm. first position at McKinsey. Yep. Um, what was that thought process like and, and what helped lead you to land that first job?
1: No, that's a good question. Um, and, and, and you're right. I think the experience at McKinsey was certainly you know um, a, a pretty solid one. Um, I mean, if I want to be candid here, I would say my formal prep as far as you know landing a consulting role was frankly fairly limited. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say, though, that it didn't happen. I don't think it was just, it didn't happen coincidentally. I think one of the things which I really focused on in my in my college days was just being self-aware of what my strengths are. Um, I had also, and, you know, maybe, I'm not sure if I was very deliberate about it, but I had surrounded myself with fairly driven type individuals. And mm-hmm. I think what that sometimes does is it just helps you be a lot more aware of, you know, what the process is going to be like, what sort of skill set are consulting firms looking for. Um, I would say in that whole construct, I was able to do a lot of like like group sessions with case prep and stuff, which I think is typically the one-on-one when consulting firms are trying to hire folks. Uh, I also wanna say follow my passion, right? And bringing back the whole cricket conversation, it's funny in one of my more advanced rounds with McKinsey, they got to learn about you know my passion for cricket, which was sitting nicely as a bullet on my resume, mm-hmm. and and one of the senior folks that actually asked me to talk about what would be an all-star cricket team for India, uh, and mm-hmm. I actually did that on the spot. Uh, I think they 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 grilled me hard. They they brought me around my choices and just being sure of what I was saying and frankly backing it up with like logic. Mm-hmm. I think that's that that just that's something that helped me crack the process um again i i mean like i said there's always the benefit of hindsight uh i think it was just more honestly being being true to self and being not being shy about expressing my point of view while recognizing right that it has to be backed up by logic and 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 you know common sense so i would say those are sort of the things that really worked well for me just around that time in general and and certainly McKinsey was i would say in some ways an outcome of that approach
0: mm Hmm. And, and so, uh, after some time uh, as a business analyst, you decided to get an MBA yeah. in India. Um, yep. w- what really caused that move?
1: I mean, it's a good question, and 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 to be honest, right? I think there was a little bit of, and I would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I don't want to sort of, you know, I wouldn't hesitate in admitting there was a little bit of that, just doing what was the template set. Mm. by by folks around me, which, like Mm -hmm. I said, you know, typically two to three years was around the time when a lot of, you know, business, traditional business school uh, degrees in India. That's sort of the the sweet spot Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, At the same time, right, I think it was also in my mind, I felt like in my two years at McKinsey, I had obviously learned a ton. But in Mm -hmm. some ways, I think I was yearning for perhaps a more broader experience set where Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily, you know, tied to just one style of of individuals or just one style of functioning. So in mm-hmm. some ways, right, going to a business school, the, the, the cohort tends to be a lot more diverse. I mean, there are folks who are pursuing different sort of passions and, and interest areas, professionally and personally. So I think there was a little bit of that yearning, Stephanie. I think what it also did, though, was while I was, I was in a batch of about 200 students, I think through that experience, I was probably able to live through each of their journeys and just engaging with them on what their interests are. In some ways, I think that convinced me even more that consulting was absolutely a discipline I would like to pursue more. And hence, you know, strengthen my resolve. And that's sort of when the whole monitor Lloyd opportunity came, which mm-hmm. I took on. So I guess a long-winded way of saying there was an intention to look at more experiences, also trying to be thoughtful on what was right professionally at that point in time. I'd mm-hmm. say a combination of those factors um, led me to business school.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so then uh, a couple of years in business school, yeah, and you land yourself at Deloitte, still based yep. in India at this point, yep. correct? Yeah. Okay. yeah, so um why why Deloitte?
1: Yeah,
0: you, know, I, you you probably had other other options. And at that point, did you consider uh, other country locations as well, or were you still quite happy and felt rooted in India? Um, what was that thought process like?
1: No, that's, that's a fascinating question, Stephanie. So, I mean, I would say, and just reflecting back uh, uh, nine, ten years ago, I mean, there were a bunch of other consulting firms that uh, had certainly shown, you know, some level of interest given my background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what was unique, what was consistent with most of them were was that they were all focused on the India market, mm-hmm. uh, meaning, you know, this was consulting primarily for clients in India, maybe an element of Asia, um, I think Deloitte in some ways was unique in that the role that they were offering was certainly in their indie office, but was geared towards serving a lot of the client work that that practice did was U S focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say there was certainly an intention that I had, I think maybe it was just my time at McKinsey, just, you know, the, the general, general value system that I grew up with, where I was, I certainly want, didn't want to be cocooned into one geography, and my mindset was that you know there's there's a lot that i can learn just by serving clients that are bigger in scale much more multinational you know there's obviously a business element to it there's a cultural element to it so i think there's a lot of that that i think excited me about it uh, about the opportunity at deloitte i mean mm-hmm. at that point i mean again i keep saying there's a benefit of mindset at that point i it wasn't that i was i was sure of you know ultimately landing up in chicago i think the intentions were I'm going to take the next couple of years, really focus on, you know, building my consulting reps. Obviously, McKinsey gave me a foundational start, but Mm -hmm. my roles at Deloitte were a lot more involved. You know, I was certainly much more, uh, there was a more senior role in my ability to deliver impactful work for clients. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little bit of those factors which led me into my choice for Deloitte. And in some ways, prioritizing that over some other exceptional firms, by the way, that do Mm -hmm. great work, but they're all much more focused, you know, I want to say in the India or South Asia market. So I, I think that was a choice, and 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 sort of what led me into making that decision.
0: Mm-hmm. So so Deloitte offered you this broader, you know, if, if, at least from a geographical standpoint, yeah. this broader view and opportunity. And, and you didn't know that you would end up in Chicago. You said you maybe mm-hmm. didn't even plan to end up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, in terms of making that move to to being able to work in the U.S., where along this journey? Did you establish that that's something that you wanted to do?
1: I mean, I, it's a good question. I, I guess the one good thing that my opportunities at Deloitte enabled me, Stephanie, were to do a lot of short-term travel to the US. Mm. So a lot of my engagements were ones where I'd spend maybe three months in the US, maybe a couple months in India, and sort of do that on a repeat basis. I, I would mm-hmm. say just just with by virtue of having enough time spent um spent enough time you know working in the US, working for clients in the US. I I think this was not necessarily love at first sight. This was more a case of you mm-hmm. know things started to evolve. I think I could see the benefits of honestly just like I said, right? Just working for a much broader, stronger set of clients with perhaps higher levels of sophistication. Um certainly, you know, one of the things which I've always been enthused by the US market is. I think clients here typically, not to generalize, but in most instances, just know how to use consultants efficiently, right? They know where to bring us in. They also, in fact, know what are problems that we'll not be good at solving, which they should be solving internally. So I think just that, for that in its own, personally for me, made it a pretty gratifying experience. Um, so I think that was absolutely, uh, I wanna say at the heart of the decision that I wanted to experience management consulting in a more evolved form. Um, I mean, there were certainly personal aspects to it, which I don't think we need to dive deep into, but I would say it was a combination of those those things that led me to slowly but surely enjoy market, serving concerting clients in the US a lot more. I think I would say my ultimate transition to, to all the places I'd mentioned, including now in Chicago, was more, I think, an outcome of that process that was already instilled pretty early on through the journey.
2: We'll be right back after this quick message. Maximize your chances of landing a top 10 consulting offer by joining Black Belt, Management Consultant's premium case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant like the one you're hearing from today. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes expert resume and cover letter edits, Because case prep is only so good if you don't get the interview. 80% of Black Belt's land offers, which is why it's the world's most effective consulting prep program. If you're ready to quit wasting time in your prep process, join today. Learn more and register at the link in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get back to the show.
0: So... Even though it may not have been ultimately intentional, you, yeah. you did make this this jump. And, and for a lot of the people that we work with, that's an early intention. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm coming from, especially yeah. India. I mean, certainly a lot of different countries, but um, yeah. um, many Indian nationals saying, I would love to work for XYZ company in the US. So yeah. if you were able to translate from from your personal background and experience, some advice to that cohort of candidates, um, how should they think about or what could they do tactically to make that more yeah. of a reality?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So may, maybe uh, maybe the, I, I like how you break it down. I mean, I think there's an overall sort of more strategic aspect to this and I, I guess there's some tactical good to know right? I mean, I mean, honestly, and this may sound like a cliche, but at the heart of it is just persistence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've obviously made the transition, but I know of several folks who, you know, successfully transitioned into similar, similar sort of opportunities like me—not just at Deloitte, but at other consulting firms too. And I think the one unique thing that ties, frankly, all these stories in my mind is just persistence. I think mm-hmm. it trumps a lot of other attributes and skills, which I think you just do, you can develop, you know, through the right levels of training and experience. Um, I think the other thing which I I would certainly want to talk about is, you know, just being being more open to different experiences, right? I mean, the the U.S. market, or frankly, just more developed markets, tend to be very different culturally compared to, you know, what it is like doing business in India. Um, I mean, I think we already talked a little about the level of client sophistication. I mean, the other thing I would say is that it's it's unique in that it's a pretty flat structure, right? There's less hierarchy, I guess, in, in the U.S. ways of working than maybe it is in parts of Asia. Hmm. But at the same time, it it needs to be complemented with extremely high levels of empathy. Hmm. I mean, you have to acknowledge the fact that the general diversity in a U.S. workplace setup is perhaps the highest in the world. Um, I mean, Stephanie, I I recall a funny story just going off tangent, but I was once sitting in a Deloitte team room of 12 individuals. 11 of us were born outside the U.S. uh, And then the 12th person who was born in the U.S. in Missouri was a second generation Indian American. Wow. Uh, Just to give you a perspective, right? So I I guess it was the reason I wanted to share that was it was more just the openness to experiences and recognizing that, you know, different folks will have different different point of views on the same exact question and you, mm-hmm. and and being deliberate about making choices that allow you to embrace that ambiguity mm-hmm. uh, right i think that's just something which i've seen pretty consistent in all the folks who've made this transition geographically in a successful manner um i mean listen it's going to be cultural adjustment right i mean no matter which way you spin it uh, there has to be a level of cultural adjustment. Um, I think it's also about being intentional in in your choices, right? Um, Mm -hmm. in my case, what worked well for me was post-business school joining a consulting practice, which was organically more focused in the US. So it meant creating opportunities, right? For Mm -hmm. others, it might be a case of just pursuing higher school, higher, higher education here. Uh, mm-hmm. right, that could create opportunities. So I think it's it's about identifying what that right vector point is mm-hmm. within the constraints of, you know, how we operate. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that's sort of a, I mean, maybe a slightly verbose, but st- like a strategic lens. Um, I say tactically, again, I think it's, I think the first thing which anyone who wants to, you know, be successful getting into consulting or transitioning over to the US is just, just being more thoughtful and understanding you know, that the consulting ecosystem is evolving. I mean, Stephanie, even from the time Mm -hmm. when you and I started our consulting careers back in the day with McKinsey to to looking at how the kind of questions the clients are asking, I think there's a Mm -hmm. huge difference. So in some ways, right, being deliberate about the skill set folks are acquiring, right? I mean, if there is a natural Mm -hmm. shift from good old days of strategy to transformation, Mm -hmm. finding skills that empower you to do that type of work, right? Embracing technology because Frankly, technology is disrupting how we deliver work as consultants in in a manner that I personally won't have imagined even ten years ago. So I think just being being aware of those shifts and then tactically finding experiences that help you, you know, capitalize on those shifts as opposed to, you know, playing catch up. I think that can go a pretty long way also, in in my mind. And, you know, frankly, being successful in consulting and making all these transitions we
0: talk about. Hmm. Oh, uh, you hit on so many great things there. But actually, Varn, what I want to do here for a second is flip the initial question on its head. Is there anything yeah. that you miss about doing business in India?
1: Mmm. That's uh that's a that's a that's a deep question. I mean, I, I do miss I guess it's a funny one, Stephanie. I I, I think sometimes structure and sophistication can curtail innovation, right? Mm-hmm. Um I, I think the one one takeaway that I've had from Either working in India or serving clients in Asia, is I think they they can perhaps sometimes be flexible and maybe more flexible for their own benefit. In certain cases, I think that same level of agility can breed innovation. So mm-hmm. sometimes I think uh, keeping things simple is better than trying to have a lot of structure in certain situations. So I, I guess that's the one aspect which I try. The, the, that's some that's something which I think. Um, is something which we can even borrow a lot more whilst working here. And I try to inculcate that sort of thematic in my teams and with my junior team members and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, second, I think culturally, uh, because I have spent 70% of my, my life in India, I think there's obviously a level of comfort that, that I think comes more naturally, which I think can also translate into, into doing business. Uh, but but again, like I said, I think the unique thing about the U.S. ecosystem is it's so diverse. It's in a lot of ways so welcoming of different perspectives that I don't really miss that. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, the more of it, the better, right, in a lot of ways.
0: Absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing. Well, now after after all of these, these movements, you've landed in Chicago with yeah. Deloitte. Um, you've now had... Uh, quite a robust career there and you're, you're yeah. solid there um, yeah. for, for those candidates who might be looking at Deloitte specifically, what could you tell us about um, who, who is it that makes a good consultant to work yeah. at Deloitte? And yeah. um, then if there's any recruiting tips that you have.
1: Yeah, no, good. All, all good questions. I mean, I, I, as much as, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate of, of, of all the, all the sort of, all well, the footprint that Deloitte has achieved in consulting. In my mind, I think I think the attributes of a good consultant don't necessarily change from one mm. firm to the other. I think there are certain mm. softer aspects which which are different, right? But I'd say, I mean, again, I think we talked about persistence, but the second mm. thing I would say is, you know, just having a strong foundational set of consulting skills, right? And and those I think apply broadly to even other roles like product management. But just being able to, you know, logically structure arguments being able mm-hmm. to communicate the point clearly whether it's verbally or through written communication mm-hmm. Your, one's ability to distill complex thoughts and then translate those into actionable meaningful ideas mm-hmm. having an opinion and then and then lastly which maybe stephanie you may resonate with as well is just comfort with ambiguity right i think the one thing which consultants i've seen consultants who do well and ultimately is they're just much more comfortable with chaos and mm-hmm. in some ways not knowing the answer, right? Like I've had so many situations where I go into a four week, six week engagement, where I, I have a sense of the approach, but I don't know what lies at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. right? But I'm still willing to take that journey with my team members, with my clients. We all roll up our sleeves with the hope that we will land in a good spot. And nine out of 10 times we do, but I think it's that comfort with ambiguity Mm-hmm. Uh, is I think, in my mind, is perhaps one of the most important and often understated skill sets when it mm-hmm. comes to consulting. And I, I would say from a, from a recruitment for Deloitte perspective, like I said, I think preparing well, I mean, making sure you're rounding up on your case interviews. I mean, the, the process hasn't significantly changed in how they hire today versus, you know, how consulting firms hired 20 years ago. I mean, they're obviously... Uh, improvements to the process but at the foundation they are evaluating the same skill sets i talked about right so mm-hmm. whether it's case prep whether it's sort of making sure you understand your story you have a sense of the direction you want to go in being very clear about you know what are what are some sort of your strong strong areas but also areas of improvement i think all those things can come in pretty handy um sort of from my own experience it
0: mm-hmm absolutely um I'm curious from the journey that you shared as well, uh, especially just, just looking at the time that you've been at Deloitte, you, you've geographically moved a number of times. Um, yeah. Uh, what was behind that?
1: Um, that's good. I think it was a combination of professional, in some cases, personal, sort of mm. rec- uh, personal um, considerations. Right. I think my first few moves were much more professional in that I was just focusing on the kind of work which, uh, was more rampant in those cities, right? Like for instance, my time in San Diego, I served about seven or eight different diagnostic biotechnology clients. And that mm-hmm. I knew I was, I was, that was an area of focus for me. So my being in San Diego was extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, my shifts to New York and Chicago were more dictated by you know, my personal intentions for not just myself, but also my family mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what was the right answer for them. So I think that the good thing about, at least for my my experience with a place like Deloitte is we operate on a much more national staffing model, which I know some of our competitors may not. So mm-hmm. I think uh, what that does is in some ways it it takes the, the, the location of the practitioner. It makes it a moot point because, you know, uh, the focus is on just identifying the right practitioners regardless of where they are based out of the US. I mean, certainly having some sort of regional clusters around yourself helps, but mm-hmm. by definition, it's a much more national staffing structure. So it gave me that flexibility to move around, you know, mm-hmm. live and work in all these amazing cities.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, you, you talked about hindsight a couple of times. I, I yeah. wonder if we can dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what, what's something that you wish you would have known when you were first thinking about consulting?
1: Oh, that's a deep question. Um, I guess one, and and it's funny you bring that up, Stephanie. I was reflecting on that a few days ago. I think the one thing which the the 20-year-old me had, who was an aspiring management consultant, I think Mm -hmm. had totally understated was just the importance of forging personal connections. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, in my head, I always thought management consulting is about intellectual integrity. It's Mm -hmm. about... In some ways being the smartest one you know know all the answers mm-hmm. i mean i think having to spend what 11 12 years in this profession now the, the one thing which i can say with certainty is as much as our clients and frankly our consulting leadership is certainly looking at us to bring in the right answers they are doing that with the anticipation that we're going to be very thoughtful and in some ways empathetic around it right I think it's just those personal connections, the personal relationships that I've built in the course. I think, in my mind, that has been absolutely my biggest takeaway. I mean, it doesn't take away from all the hard skills that we just touched upon a few minutes back, that are success that are needed to be successful in consulting. But I think just I wish I had not understated the importance of personal connections. No regrets, but just perhaps again with the benefit of hindsight, one of the things which you know um, is is worth thinking about.
0: Varn, I have to agree. It took me a, a few years to really wrap yeah. my head around the value of that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, is there anything else that sticks out to you from from a hindsight perspective that you think would be valuable to our audience?
1: I mean... Uh... Doesn't stick out, but I think you talked about some of some of the 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 audience to this podcast could be international uh, students mm-hmm. slash uh, professionals, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think the one thing which we didn't touch upon, which I'll be missing, is just the immigration complexity that mm-hmm. uh, that the you know that has just come frankly everywhere in the world, and the United States is no exception. Uh, I think it's it's a frustrating journey for a lot of folks who are international candidates in consulting, more so in consulting because that tends to attract a lot of international candidates. Um, mm-hmm. So the journey is a complex one, right? So, I mean, the one thing I would say is for those, those who intend to take on this journey, just being aware of one's choices and being intentional. I keep going back to the word intentional. And I think in some ways trying to plan ahead, right? I think there are, folks may not realize, but there are a lot more choices baked into Sort of what steps they are taking to circumvent some of these these you know these these non-controllables, like I call them, and just being thoughtful around them, I think is is helpful. At least it was helpful to me in as I undertook that journey. Hmm.
0: Hmm. I, I think we could say, from our perspective, it's it's certainly turbulent, and yeah. even from firm to firm. From year to year, there are different Ch- decisions being made,
2: yeah. um,
0: and so it's it's um, not to say that it's a lottery, but um, there, there's a little bit of of luck involved in terms yeah. of your timing, uh, and, and which all leads me back to your earlier advice on persistence and intention, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So may- maybe this isn't the Uh, the the exact moment in time when that's going to be easiest, but continue trying and um, doors Keep the eyes on the
1: price. Keep the Mm. eyes on the price. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But yeah.
0: Anything else that we, we haven't covered that you'd like to speak to today?
1: No, I really enjoyed the dialogue, Stephanie. Thanks for having me.
0: Welcome to After Office Hours, where we answer your listener questions. Today's After Office Hours listener question is from Phu Mi, from Charlottesville, Virginia. Phu Mi is a resident physician applying to consulting roles and asks, I'm very interested in the field of consulting, but I'm growing increasingly concerned about job security, given the looming economic crisis. What do you anticipate the effect of the predicted stagflation will be on the consulting industry? In the past, when faced with similar economic issues, have there been layoffs, rescinded offers, so first things first, Fumi used a, a a buzzword there, right? Stagflation, uh, which is just a combination of the words inflation and stagnation. Um, this kind of just things are things are broken, things aren't moving. Nobody's quite sure what's going to happen. Are we in a bear market? Is this a full recession? How long is this going to last? And just as all of us as individuals would be considering, um, and, and perhaps may be more cautious or conservative because of those uncertain elements about the economy, businesses businesses have similar thoughts and, and reactions as well. Given that businesses are run by people, right? So uh, let's take let's take the historical view first. So uh, we can easily look back to. 2008. And we can look back to 2020. Now, what happened in those instances in the consulting industry, by and large, was that um, there were not, you know, absolute hiring, extended hiring freezes. You know, we have to remember that consulting firms are human capital businesses, Uh, they're, they're pyramidal and hierarchical in structure. You've got to have a big, strong base of the pyramid to be able to continue to do work. However, the, they, they, they lifted the gates a little bit. They lowered the quotas. They let fewer people in. And then, uh, across other levels of the organization, whether that be internal, uh, staff roles, or at higher levels or or expert knowledge-based roles in the organization, Um, many firms took an approach, which we see utilized across industries around um, just just non-replacement. Somebody leaves, somebody retires, somebody moves away, and we're just not gonna replace that role. Um, Leaving empty and open positions kind of causing additional stress on the org chart as a whole, as that person's core and key responsibilities have to be picked up by others within the organization. Um, When you put these two things together, it it produces a recruiting engine, which is still, it's still on, but it's not at full steam, by any means. Um, And of course, one of the Uh, one prediction that that would cause these types of changes would be that there will be less consulting work to go around in the industry in these times of downturn and recession. Um, But surprisingly enough, uh, as we look across particularly the 2020 recession, Um, but also 2008 as well, the consulting industry overall, overall did not suffer. And especially when we look back just across the COVID era, there was a almost a boon in demand, um, which caused short to medium term stress on many consulting firms who did not have their recruiting engine at full steam and then um, saw demand outpacing supply. So I'm, I'm hopeful that because that COVID era is only in the very recent memory that any, you know, here sitting in the summer of 2022, any short to medium term actions to reduce the power of that recruiting engine, um, would not be overly conservative. Uh, I I can tell you for sure that it's not going to shut down completely. And, um, and it hasn't in the past, looking at that historical view. But I'm hopeful that we will learn from these past and recent experiences, to be able to see and say, um, we, we know, uh, we know eventually the economy will bounce back, and we know even in the interim that there will still be demand for our services, uh, client questions, and our projects may need to may need to look different or change focus for a little while. But um, the the problems aren't going away, and especially when we're talking about um, operations driven consulting, cost cutting, driving to uh, you know, create efficiencies um, in in services and processes, et cetera. Um, everybody's those problems only become more poignant um, in a, in a challenged economy or a downturn economy. So, um, the need for consulting is not going to go away. the, the projects aren't going to go away, um, and well-established firms um, hopefully will not respond. In the future, uh, with with limiting their recruiting too drastically. So um, I, I've, I've I've heard zero examples over the years of rescinded offers. I have heard some examples of offer terms changing slightly, but um, that would be a a, a huge a huge ding in terms of kind of brand equity and integrity to, to fully rescind a, a given offer. Um, so I would say that you're not alone Foon me and considering these elements, um, here in 2022, as others are currently, and as others have done before you. Um, but you know, there, th- this is also a, this is a process, which could be a journey, um, Building up your, your resume to feel, um, and not speaking to you specifically, but more broadly speaking, building up your resume to feel competitive, to be able to recruit into consulting, uh, learning about the firms, figuring out where specifically you want to apply, getting to know individuals and starting to learn about those firms at a deep level uh, before you submit that application and then fully being ready to go in terms of building that case interview muscle, etc., So I would say um, there's no reason to wait on starting that journey. So I hope that, um, that you can continue to lean in and invest in yourself and invest in this process. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to land a position at a top firm like Deloitte or McKinsey, you're going to have to practice for your interview, like practice out loud a bunch. To do so, you should really consider working with one of our coaches here at Management Consulted. All of our coaches are ex-McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultants and interviews who have been extensively vetted and only coach with us here at MC. They love working with prospective candidates to help you run and simulate through full interviews, but they can also construct specialty targeted sessions to help drill on the areas in which you need the most help. You can find a link in the show notes or read more about our offerings at managementconsulted.com. And thanks again to phone me for submitting your question for after office hours. We'd love to answer yours as well. Send us any questions that you have about breaking into consulting, the interview process, or anything related to the industry. We'd love to answer it on the podcast. Email us your question podcast at managementconsulted.com. I'd love it even more if you sent in a voice note. Just open up the voice memo or voice recorder app on your phone and record yourself asking the question. Make sure to include your name, location, and question. And then you're going to email it to us at podcast at managementconsulted.com. We'll see you next time.